Hey, hey, and welcome to Process, a podcast where we have honest conversations about what it takes to manage the ups and downs of a creative journey. I'm Marcela Chamorro, your host. Today, I'm talking to Kate Brooke, who I met through her work with an organization called Girls in Tech a few years ago. We reconnected recently, and she's since told me all about this work that she's been doing with different companies like Untapped, an organization called Factor Zero, and much, much more. She's even farming now. I want to talk to Kate about her passion for women in technology. And this might sound a little selfish because I'm a woman in technology. <laughs> But I really want to talk about how that interest and how that passion for helping women in technology has fueled Kate all these years throughout her career. Let's get to it. Kate, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Tell me a little bit about your interest in women in technology and entrepreneurship. How did that interest you know, come about and grow for you over the years? It's been a pretty long growth. It started out somewhat organically. I had uh, my first job out of college. I sort of landed right smack in the middle of this tech startup scene in Boston, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and uh, had two wonderful female bosses who were kind of in tune. They didn't necessarily do a ton of initiatives around women in the space, but they were very, they sort of ran their company as two women, for women, very supportive of that. And I think I carried that through to my graduate studies as well and, and just found myself starting to focus on women in the various uh, aspects that I was studying and that sort of thing. And then when I graduated from from graduate school, I was at a tech conference and came across an organization called Girls in Tech. It's a global organization for women in technology and entrepreneurship. At that time, it had literally just started. They had maybe three chapters and they were looking for chapter growth. So I started the Boston chapter of that group and grew over the next seven years to the position of president of the global organization, which had also, we worked through getting our nonprofit status on that sort of thing. So it was probably the biggest amount of growth in the last seven years. And I've expanded that into things like writing for Forbes on the topic and certainly grown my network and my voice on the subject as well. So I'm something I'm very passionate about. That's awesome. And you mentioned that you're via email that you're now working on different projects uh, like Untapped. Tell me a little bit about this, you know, financial technology and how you're kind of channeling the your interest in women um, in that industry with this new project. Yeah, absolutely. So Untapped is very specifically a hiring platform for technology talent getting into the fintech space. So that's financial technology. Uh, it's a hugely growing space now, enormous investment dollars going into it, enormous eyeballs, new companies popping up everywhere. And it's one of those normal spaces where the financial services sector has really found itself at a point of huge disruption. And so there's this influx of new startups that are coming in to handle everything from mobile payments to cross-border payments to lending, that sort of thing. So uh, it's a huge space. And the company, Untapped, was 
the brainchild of a couple of technology executives from some major banks, so Deutsche Bank, uh, Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, that sort of thing, J.P. Morgan. They, in their roles as technologists, noticed there was a huge problem with getting good tech talent into their companies and filling roles. So that's, and they said there's got to be a better way. So essentially, Untapped, it's an algorithm, it's a data driven company, um, algorithm based that cuts out, you know, uh, cuts out all of the recruitment activities and matches tech talent right to open jobs in the fintech space. So, yeah. So within that, you know, it started with a focus on, you know, getting members. So getting developers, it's free for developers to sign up and job search. And when I came on board in July, uh, that pool was just by the nature of trying to up numbers had uh, grown to be not horribly diverse. And the the founders knew that. That's, I think, part of what they found attractive in me as um, in my incoming position, because they certainly have an interest in increasing the diversity within that network. So I have started to reach out to organizations like Women 2.0 and Women Who Code to see how we can increase the level of diversity on the platform for members. Also looking at areas such as uh, racial diversity, uh, groups that focus on racial diversity, as well as things like um, veterans in tech and that sort of thing. So really just trying to get a pretty diverse pool of talent on the platform. Do you code? Uh, I, I do. I am not a coder. I'm actually a marketer by trade. I can code. I could not build you a full site, but I have educated myself. I'm self-educated in terms of coding and I've educated myself enough to be dangerous enough where I can speak to developers in my marketing role and that sort of thing. I will tell you the, in this mix of women in technology and entrepreneurship, I've always been around technology. All my marketing roles have been in technology. And it's the tech startup space that I think really draws me to that area. So I've I've done a ton of work in tech startups with tech startups, mentoring tech startups. So while I, I probably wouldn't consider myself a technologist, the space is very important to me. And the diversity in those companies and in tech companies alike is still very an, a very important topic to me. So I'm very curious about what you do with your spare time. So I feel like the technology space is has for a long time been an area where people who who code or who design they they have a, an intense love for it they do it you know up until three in the morning and you know just it it becomes kind of like a passion for a lot of people yes what is it that you do i'm not i don't know maybe i'm wrong about this but i don't feel like marketing is that same kind of <laughs> interest <are> probably right <laughs> what, what is it that you do you mentioned that you have a farm tell me a little bit about this yes so my husband and I, we actually recently moved, well, not so recently, but we moved from Boston to New York, upstate New York, where I'm originally from. And my husband is actually a web developer. 
Uh, and through a series of, you know, him not having the greatest job market and additionally being in this burgeoning scene of craft, the craft beer industry and the local, you know, buy local, grow local movement. We're in a very farm centric area, but how should I put this? It's, it's fairly sophisticated. So things like farm to table eating and, you know, the local community really supporting their farms by buying food. So that's a big movement here. And combine that with some local legislation at the state level. My husband really kind of started out almost immediately being a hobby hops farmer before anyone here was doing it. And then it kind of exploded. So he, we recently bought a larger piece of property. We have four acres of hops up. We have a huge hops processing center. So all the local hops farmers can come process their um, harvest and we can get it straight to the brewers. Uh, So we're kind of in the middle of this really neat, very non-technical scene here. And I have to tell you earlier this year, my husband left his, you know, he's a, he's been in web development for 15 plus years and he left, he left it kind of for good. He takes on a couple of side projects, but he loves it. So he's having a lot of fun. We had a really intense first year, but we're kind of settling in now. And it's really, it's really an interesting uh, thing here. He's, he's the man about town. It's really funny. <laughs> so that's awesome. I mean, that, it- yeah. That's a little bit more my husband's thing, but yeah, we're doing that jointly on the side. I mean, it must be a very, just a difference between being behind a computer all day oh. um, and then just having yeah. something hands-on, physical in the natural oh, yeah. world. It's it, yep. it's very, it revives, at least for me, being, living in Nicaragua where everything is, there's, you're just submerged in nature. There's trees everywhere. When yes. I, I visit another city or, you know, the U.S., I'm like, well, where are all the trees? Here in Nicaragua. Yes. They're all over the place. Uh, we yes. haven't cut everything down yet. So, yeah, it's it must be uh, a very nice change for you. Yeah, it is. And Chad, you know, really enjoys that uh, that particular aspect of it. You know, he's not staring at a computer all day. Uh, and <laughs> I get you to have, do that. So. Yeah. <laughs> and you have another project with this Factor Zero, which I'd love yeah. to hear about. So that's an offshoot of my passion for women in technology entrepreneurship. I Recently, um, earlier this year, I resigned from my role at Girls in Tech. I I was a little concerned about the direction they were taking, and I I felt like I myself needed to focus on something that I had found within that to be really, I think, important and really make an impact. So the the Factor Zero really heavily focuses on very specifically women in technology startups and then technology funding. So the idea with it is that you can spend all the time you want on increasing any minority representation in startups, in tech startups. But if you don't also address the other side of the table, so where is all the investment and funding coming from? So the VC firms, the angel investors, that type of thing, if you don't address that side of thing and you're still, these startups are still coming to the table face-to-face with a very undiverse 
uh, investment sector, you know, that's a really big problem. I actually recently spoke to a female investor out of New York who put it wonderfully. She said, you know, there's a really big problem when the people making the decisions on the next set of possibly, you know, huge technology companies are all, you know, she put it as all white male or from one, one very non-diverse pool. That's a huge problem. And I had actually never even thought about it at that high of a level. But when she said that, it was just sort of like, you know, that's, that's exactly what I'm going for with the project. I just wonder how you split. I mean, I, I totally agree with all of that. And it yep. seems to me, I mean, this is a kind of a theme on the podcast as well. This is, it just seems like that you're very prolific. There's a lot of things going on. <laughs> with um, how do you balance, I mean, I hate that word, but I don't, I haven't found a better one yet. The, your passion for women in technology and entrepreneurship, you know, fintech, the farm, everything yep. that, that you're working on that adds a piece to, you know, who you are and, and. I would hope your sanity, <laughs> like, we, like we mentioned with the farm. How do you manage that instead of using the word balance? Yeah, well, part of it is a timing thing, too. I mean, a lot of the farm aspect really is my husband, and I play a little bit more of a supportive role on that. And that's a little easier to fit into your time when it's also, you know, your significant other you're working with. So time sort of spent is also time spent together, that type of thing. But I think one of the biggest things that I've learned in the past, and I used to be horrible at this, and I'm not, I'm not perfect, is really I learned to say no. I've always been the type of person who a lot of different things sound very interesting to me. And I want to say yes. And I get asked to do a lot. Uh, you know, be on the board of this, teach this class, you know, all that sort of thing. And I used to say yes a lot. And I think I learned that in order for me to be, you know, first of all, feel the best about the work I am doing, and then also be able to have enough time to remain sane, I really have to narrow that down. And it's not just about saying no, it's about, <laughs> it's about making choices of all these things that sound so interesting to me. I wish I had time to do all these things. So it's difficult, you know? And so that's probably been the biggest thing for me. And part of that has come from, you know, I have a, an almost two-year-old son and you really start analyzing your time when that happens and prioritizing your time And then I've really learned to be very efficient with my time. So part of, you know, part of what I'm looking forward to are some of the overlaps in what I do. So maybe there are some overlaps with untapped and, and factor zero. So, so then it becomes sort of a sharing of time opportunity and there are overlaps. They haven't been made formal, but that's kind of, you know, I look for things like that as well. So totally, it's really about time efficiency. Yeah, I totally feel you on that. My son is going to be 16 months old. 
Uh, and it great. really, really helps to say no <laughs> to a lot of things. Yeah. Because it's so much, so easy to say yes to, to him. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Absolutely. So that's the biggest thing is honestly, it's a really, for me, it's been a really, really judicious look at my time. Uh, and again, it's not perfect. <laughs> well, thank you for saying yes to me. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. No, these are the types of things I love. Yeah. And I don't know, I, I feel like there's a very kind of good coherent string with all of the choices that you've made. Uh, has that been a conscious choice or is that happenstance or a little bit of both? With all of the you know, career I've... decisions and everything <laughs> you work on, it's just it looks like it just flows. That's really you're you're the you're you're the first person that said that to me. It's, really, it, I have learned that it has become a natural flow. I used to think that it was random. You know, when I was in my MBA program, you know, everyone goes to the career office and they get their resume reviewed and that sort of thing. And I'd have to just re-explain because they all look at timeline and overlaps, and it's a very strict look at a career path, I guess. And I always had to, you know, kind of explain why things lined up the way they did. But in the past couple of years, I've really thought about it. And it really is a flowing when I think about why I made some of the transitions and why I'm involved in some of the things I am involved in. They are very, very natural. Some of them fall into my lap. Um, You know, girls in tech, to some extent, fell into my lap. But I wouldn't have accepted that falling into my lap if I didn't already have a passion that was aligned with it. So I guess part of the way that's happened is that I I am well attuned to what drives me and what I'm passionate for. And so when those opportunities cross my path, I've become. I guess, pretty good at working them into my life in some way. Maybe it's because of the context under which I met you, um, which was at South by Southwest at a girls in tech event. Yes. Um, And we, yeah, so I see the woman in technology and entrepreneurship, uh, the theme so strongly in all of your projects. Yeah. As, as well as you describe them and seeing them kind of like on paper. Uh, Yes. But yeah, so it seems like that way to me. And I think that maybe perhaps this is just something that everything, everybody goes through, which is it seems so random, but it really wasn't random because everything led me to the next thing, which led me to the next thing. And this worked out yeah. for a certain reason. But it, I will honestly say that from the outside, it looks like so carefully just guided by oh. your interest for in supporting women. So that's well, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think there's something to be said about time as well. I mean, when you're when you're two or three years out of university or into a profession, it's hard to see themes. Or should I say it's much easier to th- see themes when you have you know, 10 years to look at versus two years. So, you know, sometimes it really does kind of take a little time to, to get settled into some of those, those sort of themes and flows. So I'm, I'm curious with everything that you have going on. What would you describe as a creative, kind of like a low? Uh, As in an anecdote, something that I may have gone through or? 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, the majority of people that I talk to on the podcast have such different ways to describe creative lows for them. For some people, it's, you know, like lack of inspiration or another person, yep. it's lack of, I mean, or waking up and just not feeling like they want to work on whatever they're working on, whether it be a job or, mm-hmm. um, you know, painting or whatever it is. And I feel like so many of my listeners out there think that they're the only ones going through yeah. a creative low or a low in general. And it helps. And I've, I've received a lot of feedback from them in terms of, you know, it's so amazing to hear that that person who's achieved so much feels that too. So, yeah. And it's just a variety of things. Um, yeah. So I'm just curious about what. For me, mm-hmm. for me, what it is, is that I try to not, I have gotten, I was in a low earlier this year, for instance. I had left girls in tech. For my own reasons, it's, you know, there were, I hadn't necessarily, there were a lot, let's just say there were a lot of reasons I didn't want to leave also. Just uh, the um, network was amazing. I was surrounded by motivated women from around the world, that type of thing. And I, when I left, there was a huge hole there. And I think it took me a little bit to get a little reignited. And I was searching for the things that girls in tech had invigorated in me. And I think for it took me a while to open up some of the other things that would have also invigorated me. So that was a little bit of a low. I was uninspired. I wasn't that enthusiastic. It was difficult sometimes to get my brain going. And I think I had to really, I had to really tap into maybe some of those things that used to make me passionate that maybe, maybe weren't so heavy at girls in tech, but, you know, could get reignited and that type of thing. So that I think was a big process for me um, earlier this year was shifting some of my passions and being okay with that. And then also knowing that I could come back to those passions at some point, they weren't totally lost just because I, you know, I, I ended a, a period in my career. So that I think was a, was a big thing for me. Does that answer your question? Yeah. And how, how is, I mean, what is the state of the union on that process now? <laughs> Great. I got, I definitely for um, Untapped, I got very reinvigorated on my work there. I think it was mostly, mostly due to some of the leadership roles that I have in the organization. Some of it marketing, but (laughs) this is going to sound, this is going to sound dry, but you know, sometimes marketing is just marketing. So, but I, I was invigorated by some of the other aspects of my my job as well. And the team is just awesome. And then I've, I've slowly gotten back my ability to find ways where my passion for women in the space can also be carried out as well. So I just had to get back there on some of it. And so I'm, I'm, it's great right now. Not, it's not a hundred percent yet, but it, I, I, it's moving in that direction. I feel like so many transitions uh, when it comes to career 
like these big ones, when you spend so much time, for example, at Girls in Tech, for me personally, when I make big transitions in my career, there can create some kind of like a small trauma uh, where it's, yep. it's kind of like a wound where you're like, but wait, this is just work. Uh, and sometimes it's yep. really not just work uh, because we put so much, or at least I do, and it sounds like you do too, put so much of yourself into oh. what you're creating. And that can be very much a low, like you're describing. Yep. That's a good way to put it. That's honestly, that's really how I felt. I just, I felt really wounded. Yeah. And I, I and, it's so funny that you know, I had something, you know, just some, some kind of like work conflict happen, not even just conflict, but it maybe felt like that back like three years ago. And since then, just randomly, I don't know why, social media or something, I've reconnected with the person that was on the other side of the issue. Mm-hmm. And recently we exchanged emails like, you know, it kind of feels like it's done. Wound healed. And that that was really when the word came to me. It was like a wound. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's definitely wonderful to come out the other side. Sometimes it takes years. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it doesn't. Yep. <laughs> so what are you, what are... What are your plans for the next, I guess, the next phase with, you know, you've got factor zero going on or how do you divide your time? If we were to say, you know, a hundred percent of Kate, what goes yep, into- It's mostly uh, right now, it's mostly from a work perspective, it's, it's mostly untapped and free. I'm freeing up a little bit more of my free time to focus on factor zero. I think- you know, I, I taught a class at the university around here this semester, which was great, but, you know, I think that that's, I have not committed to any future semesters, uh, and that type of thing. So I'm starting to free up a little time. So I'm, I'm hoping I kind of settle in to both of those in terms of sort of professional and then just continuing to support my family and work on this cool local craft beer stuff that is super fun and grow a family. So I'm do I'm, we're actually expecting our second child in March. Congrats. That's awesome. (laughs) Yes. I might have to do some reshuffling again then, but we'll see. (laughs) Oh, tell me about it. I mean, when I think about baby number two, I'm like, wait, morning sickness again. That kind of like derailed completely when I was working on it and this project that I want to start and Uh, that one. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Mom life. Yeah. I'm trying for number two though. I'm trying to, I think be a little bit more intentful with how I, I guess, manage it against everything else. Cause you know, you can, you can find yourself in sort of a long-term slump is not the right word, but you're just so focused on the huge change you just went through. There's a lot of things drop. (laughs) Yes. Like the small human being that you just produced. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But you know, it's a huge life change. The way I kind of describe it to my husband back when I was going through morning sickness with our little baby. It's impossible. I was like, okay, listen, we both, you know, it's just think of it like a building house. We both created like the blueprints for this house, you know? Yeah. But I have to build it by myself. Yeah. And Um, you're just watching. Exactly. And so (laughs) when you're building a house and then the house is done, is made, and then you have to, you know, furnish the house. And I mean, it's just. Oh my God. 
it's a lot. And it's, I think it's a very natural process. Maybe even like just we were made to get sidetracked a little bit to make sure the tiny human survives <laughs> and yeah. receives everything yep. they need. It's, it's a powerful instinct, I think. Oh, yeah. Yep. Well, so that's yep. awesome. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to hearing more uh, about how that, that transition goes and, and how everything progresses in 2016. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to say hello when we come to Nicaragua next year. Oh, I love it. I love it. Everybody comes to Nicaragua and, you know, I get to meet all these amazing people just because my country is so cool. um yes definitely we will thank you so much for sharing all that with us you are welcome and thank you for having me you heard it i hope you enjoyed that conversation with kate brodo who's working at different organizations now like untapped factor zero her hops farm and all these different projects most of which are fueled by her passion for a woman in entrepreneurship and technology by the way you can find links to everything we mentioned throughout the show including kate's projects over at www.process.show thanks so much for tuning in this is the last episode for this year 2015 i'll be back the first week of 2016 with our next episode and i can't wait for the next year i've got amazing interviews lined up some of which i've already recorded and i can't wait to share them with you so if you enjoyed this episode and the entire project as a whole let me know i'm marcinator over on twitter and i'd be so grateful if you could pop on over to itunes and leave an honest review aka a glowing No, but really, if you want to subscribe on iTunes, that would be great. And that way, you'll receive our next episode in 2016. So I'll be back the first week of January with the next episode of Process and more on managing the ups and downs of creating and making. I'm Marcela, your host, and this was Process. Process.